Today is June 5th, 2020, Friday of the ninth week in Ordinary Time, and feast day of the memorial of St. Boniface, Bishop and Martyr, you are tuned in to Deacon's Discussions and Drinks. When I see you, my heart starts racing, but I don't know if I like this chasing and playing and waiting around. It's a shame that my hands start shaking all of the time when you're around me. But this time, this time, girl, I know what's about Hey, everybody. I need somebody hey, to hey, hey, hey. It's Friday already. Well, it's not really Friday, but we're pretending like it's Friday. Ordinary time. What's that? <laughs> What's ordinary? Ordinary time. And it's the ninth week. How did that happen? Well, that'd be, that'd be a good way to do some catechesis. We, we definitely is. from the last season. We were dropped off. Oh, we're in season two of Ordinary Time? Is that, is that what we should call it? <laughs> season two? We'll, maybe we'll come back to that in a minute. But, uh, here we are at the Cardone Recording Studio. I'm Deacon Tim Stout. I'm Deacon Dallas Kelly. I am Father Lee Wynn. Last week we had a great show. Mr. Bill Wren. I think that went pretty good. I think so. Yeah. He's a parishioner. I had some people ask me, who, who is who was he? He's a parishioner. Relatively new parishioner. Return to the faith. Yep. Uh, singer-songwriter joined us. And, uh, you know, a lot of, I got a lot of positive feedback. I think... You know, a lot of times I think people when they hear jazz music, it may not be their thing. But for me, what I took out of his music was the the lyrics. Very strong. Yeah, I mean, just really, and a good guy. It's got a, the faith and stuff that's in his in his lyrics. I, I thought it was I thought it was great show. I think he's a good guy. And I, I can't wait to see how you're going to get him engaged in the marriage. It's like y'all had a secret thing going on. I can't wait. <laughs> that's to not that. a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Dallas kept wanting to be electric. <laughs> at 5 o'clock at St. Francis that's where we need all the lectures right yeah. although I don't have anything Father Mark's been out right? yes. has he had his masses outdoor he hasn't done anything inside yet on inside he used to call me over 70 that's pretty good yeah but he can't do it with coronavirus total distance he cannot that, that's what they could get maybe 10, 10 if that many so he did it you know, just like us doing mass outdoor. Great. We and we had mass outdoor, right? St. Francis and John, ssfj.org, support our mission. Not gonna play the the jingle today. Um could have come up with a new one. I think that one got a little old. <laughs> so but anyway, um we we would like all of our parishioners and all of our listeners, if you want to support the show or support our ministry here in Georgetown, Scott County, uh, just go to ssfj.org. You can support all kinds of stuff on there. There's there's 20, 20 plus options from adopt a student to daily uh, or not daily but weekly offertory. Uh, Peter's Pence is on there. Everything's on there, right? right. I think every, so. You know, if you like like something or don't like something <coughs> else, we don't. I don't think we have uh, we don't have a category for deacons discuss discussions and drinks, but maybe we should add that in there. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, but let's just let's go ahead and get jump into current events before we get to our guest today, who you're gonna love, Gus Lloyd, great great guy. He's gonna join us today, so get ready for that. But uh, current events, does anybody want to start? Uh, I'll start if you want me to. Yeah. 
Mine is out of Madison, Wisconsin. Attorneys representing the Diocese of Madison sent a letter to Dane County and City of Madison officials on Wednesday, June 3rd, notifying officials they will file suit if parishes in the diocese are not permitted to operate at the same capacity of retail outlets. Under Dane County's reopening guidelines, retail businesses are permitted to operate at 25% capacity. Places of worship, however, are limited to the maximum of 50 people, regardless of the size of the building and how many it will hold. Under the order, thousands of people may shop together in a mall. Hundreds of employees may arrive at an office or a factory every morning to conduct business. And hundreds of children may spend a few hours bouncing off a trampoline. But we are not permitted to worship. That was from the Diocese of Madison. Wow. Oh, there's a lot of that going on right now. (laughs) It's the inconsistency. Yeah. Right. If it was consistent, they probably wouldn't have a problem, but it's not. And I get it. And it's not know, anywhere. It's it's not anywhere really. Right. I mean, yeah, inside a state, even inside even inside Scott County, it's not consistent. Right. I mean uh we went out to we went out to dinner the other day. We went to Mikasita and uh have you I don't know if you've been to Mikasita lately, but you walk in and the guy's got a mask on, then he's got a plastic face shield on, then he wants to scan your temperature and you know, you go to another restaurant, McAllister's or wherever. Uh, Joe Baloney's in the uh, in the election, and no mask no was ma- required. No mask. You walk right in. Now, I'm not even going to mention, you know, Kroger or Lowe's. You know, you walk in there. Used to be they had a line, and they were counting people. I haven't seen somebody counting, but I've seen a lot of people on the inside. <laughs> and you know, the mask. You know, if you want to wear a mask, I'm all for it. If you don't want to wear a mask, I'm okay with that too. But, you know, it's 50% maybe. It might be a little bit more than that in, in some grocery stores or something like that. But it's just the inconsistency. And then when you, you hear a story like that, wow. It kind of makes you think, why why is the why are the churches in phase so far down the phases? You know? There's many claim there is a, a, a anti-church sentimental there, you know? Do you think there is? Or do you I think? believe so. Yeah. Do you think there is? Uh, you know, you, only facts speak for themselves, it seems. Just read the fact. You know, but you got these governors who's, who's saying they're Christians. Is that not a necessity, you know? Essential. Essential, yeah. Right. Is that not essential and a non-essential? I'd call it an essential, the worship of God. Well, I mean, obviously, a lot of tension in the world as a result of the COVID. And then we have the George Floyd situation up in Minneapolis and then the uh, Breonna Taylor situation just down the road here in Louisville. Uh, And, you know, for me, I just that was my current event, that it was a powder keg waiting for a match and, and the match got lit. And... We couple that with being, and I'll say the word unchurched. I don't know if that's the right word, but away from the church for so long, uh, away from our normal lives, away from feeling a sense of worth at work or what, or at church or whatever you get your sense of worth, your, your, your thing that makes you, compels you to live your life. When you take that, strip that away, and then you throw a match on a powder keg. Explode. You know, and, and and 
I, I, you know, I don't have the solutions, obviously, and I don't think any individuals do, but uh, it's a tough time in our world right now. Mm-hmm. I just came back from a meeting with, with the, you know, church leaders in Scott County with mayor, chief of police, uh, sheriff, and, and try to look at what is a possibility if something might blow up. Well, there's a little protest here, but very courteous. Uh, but it's a very concerned because it, the Georgetown and Scott County growing so aggressively. Right. So with great conversation, with sincere, how to deal with this because there's so much emotional involved in this, you know, especially from community, African-American community, and, and they feel so lopsided and, and they want to voice. And um, so it was with great conversation, almost, you know, hour, over an hour conversation. Oh, wow. So it we, just happened today. Just today. Oh. So we helped find some strategy. Are y'all going to meet again too? Or? Yeah. Oh, definitely. I, I, you know, I, I, I've got uh, my, my sons, one lives in Louisville. And one lives in New York City, you know, and, and, you know, I worry about them. You know, I, it, it, before I think it was just one of those things that just, yeah, that's something that happened somewhere else, <laughs> you know, not a big deal. But with the, with what's happened in Louisville, uh, you know, and that whole no knock warrant, something, I don't think any of us really heard that word before, but. Till it happened. Till yeah. it happened. And. How in the heck is that legal? <laughs> yeah, I was discussing with you the other day. If that happens in my house, I'm going to get shot. Yeah, <laughs> because no, you that, know, I mean, I'm ready for a break in. No, I mean that's yeah. one of those things. You know, my, obviously my kids are growing and out of the house, but you know we have an open door for them if they want to come. You know, if they're up in Lexington visiting friends or whatever, they can come by the house. And one, one day, one of them didn't call and tell us that they were going to stay at the house, and front door opens at one thirty in the morning. <laughs> Had to go find little Joe, <laughs> but I mean, is that what you call it? <laughs> but I, you know, that's if 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 I did something wrong or the police had a wrong wrong house or or whatever, and they they opened the door, and I I mean that just doesn't seem like that can that should be happening in America. So obviously, there's racism in America. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've you've probably experienced experienced yes, yourself. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's something. I probably never will experience, but I recognize that there is racism in America and it needs to be corrected. And if the no knock warrants thing doesn't get fixed, then our politicians are asleep because that there is just no way that that should be going on. We've got enough technology today. We can, we can use a a thermal camera to see who's in a house. We ought to use our tools that we have and track track people if that's what it you know it just it just seems to me and I'm a technology guy so that's the area that I'm going to focus on but I just it's the world we living in whew, crazy crazy stuff you know and I brought up the fact what if what if there was three children in the bed with them I mean yeah. uh, it's just incredible what could worse than it was a young woman died and stuff that's horrific and you know <clears throat> for the police officers I feel bad for the police officers you know. Uh, and I don't mean the police officers that were involved in the this, this situations. I mean police officers in general. general. Uh, you know, how a system could put somebody in a, in a position to do that. Because obviously they didn't decide, hey, we're going to go get a warrant. We're going to go to this house, right? <laughs> they were told, here's, your, here's a warrant. We're investigating this person or whatever 
you're going to this house. I mean, think about, I mean, you've got a, a, um, a, a woman who lost her life, you know, a family that's just torn apart. And then you've got the other side of it too, where you've got all these police officers that were involved in it and they were just, they were doing their jobs, whether they did it right or wrong, we'd have that debate, but you know, they got up one day, they went into their briefing room and they said, this is, this is your job today. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just, it's tough. We do need, we need police policing police. I don't think we can, I did see a post about the the thing in Minnesota where, you know, you hear people, hear people say, well, the people that saw that happen, it should have stopped it. So you're, me or you are going right. to go knock over a police officer when there's four other cops standing around. What's going to happen to us? Yeah. You know, in that situation, I mean, you know, it sounds great, but here's what, if I would have done that, I would have probably got the crap beat out of me by four cops, right? And Or a knee on your neck. And, and, and George may have survived, and I may have died, yeah. or I would have been... I've been would have been charged with the felony assault of a police officer. You know that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's it. There has to be criminal justice reform. There has to be a lot, <clears throat> a lot of change in this country. And you know, I I didn't live through the '60s and, and the race riots and those things, but um, this is real, and I don't think it's just going to blow over. This this whole thing. I mean, think about it. It's quite interesting. Being the police right now is pretty much like being a priest. You know, right after the sexual scandal, just only a few guys who did destructive and caused the entire bodies of priesthood be a mess. And, 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 you know, police are facing the same thing. You stay to what you true call to become. And you yourself, you know, there's a lot of great police out there. Right. You know, they're doing the sincerity. Oh, do we have a crook? Yeah, we do. So therefore, the whole system have to relook, just like the church right now, or look intently on the the priest. You know, the whole reform, the whole thing. I, it's the same thing. And it's still same, ongoing. It's right? still ongoing. I mean, and I don't think it ever ends. Mm-mm. Right. That's that's the thing. I think the part of our society I think that makes it complicated is we're an instant. We want an instant fix, yep. right? We want to put this problem in the microwave and cook it for thirty seconds, and it pops out and it's fixed. It's going to take a whole lot more work. Just like the that. meeting I admit today, you know, my word to them, I say, listen, this whole racism is embedded in our system. But we never talk about it. So all of a sudden we react. I say be proactive and, and, and discuss about it. Let's talk more. Yeah. You I'm, know, this I'm writing stuff- my manifesto and that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's one of them. I mean, like I, I said, you know, we, like, just like you said, we have to talk. We have to have conversation, and it's so anti-cultural today to sit down and have a conversation with somebody. I mean, like we're talking right here. This just doesn't. This isn't normal, right? In today's culture, this this conversation. This called abnormal. <laughs> it is, and it's that's what's so crazy about it. But you just you multiply that and amplify that out through society. You know, with COVID and with what happened to to George Floyd and what happened to Breonna Taylor and countless other folks that that their names we don't even remember but we should you get this and it's got to get fixed mm-hmm. you know it's good to take a it's good to take a strong leader and there, i don't think there's a lot of those out there right now i think it takes term limits i'm just going to i'm just going to i'm just going to say that's that. for another day it, it is but <laughs> I, I agree i'm for term I, limits <laughs> yeah I, and i just you know we got to get money out of politics i hate to i mean you know conservatives don't won't agree with me when i say that 
Uh, if yeah, we, uh, being a pilot, really, and because uh, uh, you know Jason's into history, my son, real, and uh, he he talks about uh, in in the early years of our history. You know, it was a civic duty. You went and did it for a while, then you stopped and you went back to your regular job. Yeah. Now it'd be it, that's their job. That's a all career. they do for thirty years. You know. Yeah. And there and there's you know it's just like you talk about police officers, you talk about priests. You know, there are some good politicians out there. Yeah. Okay. It, it, you know, it, it's one of the things you just you can't paint people with a broad stroke that encompasses everybody in that profession or all Democrats or all Republicans or all liberals or all conservatives, they're all evil. It's not true. We have to get back to what we know. We have to have relationships with people. I mean, I'm pretty sure I have a lot of relationships with Democrats and Republicans yeah. and, I, and I have good relationships with them. Well, me and you, you'd say you consider yourself conservative. Am I conservative? Yeah. Do we ever disagree? Absolutely. And we, st- and, we, and we still go out to dinner together all That's the right. time. But yeah. the key, I, I think the point that, that I want to indicate is something quite interesting for me. As a culture, we become always seeking the scapegoating, you know. And Jesus is the one that nailed scapegoating to himself. And we, we, we constantly live with a blaming reality. We blame politics. We blame uh, Donald Trump. We blame, you know, everybody. But we never blame ourselves. And, and it's rooted very much in, in a sinful culture. And everybody have to re-examine on that. Before you blame anything, look at yourself first. Cain killed Abel. Exactly. You know, and that to me, you know, that's, you know, we can talk about this forever. We're not going to tonight, but... <laughs> Uh, I, I, you know, somebody asked me and what kind of got me writing and I, I was going to do a big Facebook post and I, I wrote a wall of text. I mean, it's like big. Kelly said, that's too big of a, nobody will read that. <laughs> so I said, I'll make it a homily. <laughs> They'll have to listen to me. But you know, one of the things I think that, that. Well, they could walk out. They, they could, they could, they may. And they may. <laughs> and they may. Depends on who's there. I can already know who would walk out and who would stay. <laughs> but at the end of the day, we have and this is just my words, and this is kind of what I'm working for. So I'm hoping the scriptures in three weeks will support my homily in this in this regard because something I think needs to be integrated into our homilies. But we have to move. We have to move who we are, what we do, what we believe. We have to move. Mm-hmm. And I'll leave it at that because if we don't move, there won't be healing in this country. Mm-mm. It will never be healed. So... Wow, that was a long current event, as long as it's ever gone. Father, you got one? Or did you already did? <laughs> <laughs> we got enough time for his, even if you got one. <laughs> so, Deacon Dallas, how about you? Uh, our, our guest is here with us. How about you give us an introduction of Mr. Gus Lloyd? I sure will. We have Mr. Gus Lloyd. He was raised in the Catholic faith, attending Catholic grade school and then public high school. In his teen years, Gus fell away from the practice of his faith. After attending international broadcasting school, Gus began a career in radio. He married his wife, Michelle, in 1980. Gus and Michelle are the parents of four children and have been blessed with two grandsons. After five years in radio, Gus and his family moved to Florida. In 1984, after a near-drowning incident with their daughter, Gus and Michelle realized that they needed God in their lives. They began attending a non-denominational Bible church and grew in their love for the Lord. 
Soon after, they began to look into the Catholic Church. After much searching and study, both Gus and Michelle came to realize that the Catholic Church is the one true church founded by Christ Jesus. Gus became active in the Catholic Charismatic Movement and attended the Catholic School of Lay Evangelization, filling a call to ministry. He produced an album of original Christian music in 1992. He was asked to join the staff of WBVM, the Catholic radio station in Tampa, Florida. He hosted a popular morning show there for nearly 13 years, and in 2006, the Archdiocese of New York contacted Gus to host the morning show for the Catholic Channel, a new venture on Sirius Satellite Radio. He has been the host of Seize the Day since. You can listen to Gus every weekday morning on Sirius XM 129. For the past 20 years, Gus has been a popular speaker at conferences, retreats, and parish missions. He speaks on apologetics, evangelization, men's issues, marriage issues, and being a Catholic in the world today, along with his radio show, which can be heard weekday mornings on Sirius 129. Gus published his first book in 2010 called A Minute in the Church, a collection of one-minute Catholic apologetic teachings. His second book, Magnetic Christianity, Using Your God-Given Gifts to Build the Kingdom, was released in February of 2012. In 2013, Gus released A Minute in the Church, Volume 2, One Minute Answers to Questions about the Catholic Faith. In September of 2015, A Minute in the Church, The Mass, and A Minute in the Church, Life in Christ, in January 2017. Nearly a million copies of the books in the Minute of the Church series have been distributed around the world. He also writes his 60-second reflection, a daily meditation on the scriptures. His Catholic apologetic teachings are available on CD or for download at gusloy.com. And they've been heard all around the world. Please join me in welcoming, welcoming Mr. Gus Lloyd. And Mr. Gus Lloyd, may I say to you, good morning, child of God. <laughs> Depending on when you're listening to this, I suppose, yeah. huh? <laughs> that's, a, that's a big intro right there. I that was know. the longest intro I've ever had in my life. That was, well, that it was, was on well your done. website, so. Yeah. I got to update that, too, by the way. That's, uh, Do you have that more grandkids? For a little while. Do you have more grandkids than that, too? No, we, we still have two yeah. grandsons, but uh, I've got five books in the A Minute in the Church series now, and uh, just wow. little detail stuff. Anyway, good morning, children of God. <laughs> awesome. Good it's, morning. It's good, to, uh, it's good to have you on the show. Um, you know, I, I, like I, I told you before we got started, long-time listener. Uh, really, really love the amount of information that that you put out, and really the, the one of the first questions that came to my mind when I when Dow said you were going to be on the show was, how did you get all this information? You know, I mean, it just because it just it just flows from you. Yeah, you know when when I was when I first decided to come back to the practice of my Catholic faith. Uh, yeah, I had a lot of decisions to make there. You know, there's a lot to learn. There's a lot to learn about our Catholic faith. And I had a lot of questions. And so I just started reading and I just started finding out the answers. And the more I read, uh, I like to put it like this. The, the more I know, the more I know I need to know. And so I just kept reading and studying. I did a radio show with Scott Hahn for about five years. And 
that was pretty amazing too. So yeah, it's just really been a, a lifelong uh, love for me to just learn more and more about our beautiful Catholic faith. And like I say, the, the, the more I learn, the more I fall in love. And, and you're a revert, so the amount of knowledge that you've you've captured since your reversion that's that's a lot. I mean, you have something in common with Dallas. Yeah, Dallas is revert. even you know, I'm a revert, and it was similar when I reverted. I had an experience. I started going to a Protestant church myself until I started having all these questions come up, and when I looked for answers, everything, and I mean everything, pointed to the Catholic Church. Yeah, and you know one of the interesting things too, Deacon. <laughs> It's great because I can just say deacon and I got you guys covered, right? (laughs) Uh, The the nice thing is, is that the church has all the answers, you know, and when you're when you're looking for answers or you're hearing from people that are misinformed or underinformed, a lot of people don't think that the church, you know, that the church is this kind of secret society and we all have this little secret handshake that we have to do. And we just kind of believe, you know, out of thin air, but the church has all the answers. They're all there and they're all very reasonable as well. So if, if you want answers, you can find them out there and they're available. And I can, I can honestly say, and not just cause you're here. Okay. I listen to so many people, you, the Tim Staples, the Jimmy Akins, you know, the, uh, who else is that? Uh, 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 several other, you know, the Scott Hans and all those shows, Patrick Madrid. And the funny thing is Patrick Madrid is on the same time you are. So I go back and forth, back and forth, depending on the subject matter, what's catching me. And But every one of those guys, I can honestly say I, I have disagreed with at least something, you know, in a, in a daily thing. I might disagree with something, you know, and I'm talking about opinion. Uh, not doctrine, not doctrine, you know, because we agree, all agree on the doctrine. But I have yet to find something I disagree with you on. So, uh, <laughs> and I've always thought that, and I thought, well, you need to change your disclaimer. You know, you do that disclaimer. I'm not a theologian. I'm not a bishop. I'm not a priest. And then when you get to a deacon, and now you can say, I'm not a deacon, but I think like one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I can assure you, Deacon, if you listen long enough, sooner or later we'll disagree about something. <laughs> I can pretty much assure you of that. I think Deacon Dallas tried to recruit you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Have you ever thought about being a deacon? Has that come, ever come up? You know, up? I, I got to tell you, that is maybe the most common question I get asked. Uh, the answer is it's not my calling. I just, I mean, I know that. I've discerned that down through the years. And it's just not my calling. I, you know, I really, really feel like I am doing what God has put me here to do. Aside from my job, of course, my main job of being a husband and a father and a, and a grandfather now. Uh, but when it comes to vocation and avocation, I'm right. I, I'm pretty sure that I'm right where I'm supposed to be. So, uh, the, you know, the thought of the diaconate has crossed my mind before, but I just, it, it's not, I, I don't have that calling. And you guys know better than anybody. That's exactly what it is. It's a calling. It's not a job. It's not just something you think that, oh, I'll, I'll do in my retirement years or something. It's a calling from God. It's a calling from the Holy Spirit. And it's not mine. That's interesting. I think a lot of people need to hear that, you know, because, I, you know, we, we our class, we ordained 20 26, I think. Was it 20? 26? I 26 in our class. Wow. Which, yeah. And yeah. we're we're obviously in central awesome. Kentucky, very rural. Um, but we started with 32, 30. 30. It was in the 40s, I believe. Yeah. I mean, it was a big, it was a big number. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I think a lot of people, and thank God for the discernment part of it, but I think a, a lot of people 
have a lot of misconceptions about you, you mentioned misconceptions about the church, right? People have misconceptions about the church. They have yeah. a lot of misconceptions about what it is to be a deacon. Ordained, yeah. Yeah. Ordained in general. Yeah. I mean it's yeah. It's not any it is not an easy calling. <laughs> sure. And and you know the other thing is too, it's it's not a job. I mean it's not e- it's not even a career. And I think a lot of people have this idea that especially for priests, you know, for our priests that Oh, well, that's what you do when you want to have a career or like a safe and something kind of career. And that's, yeah, it's not right. It's a, it's a, it's a calling. It's a vocation. It's a so much more. And, and by the way, I, I don't know if I've said it to you guys, but I say it on the radio pretty often. I'm a huge fan of the diaconate. I mean, I have so much respect for you guys and I see what you do. I see the hard work that you do behind the scenes and you know how your ministry is a ministry of service. So hats off and kudos to you guys. Well, thank you very much. And we can vouch it's not a job because we're still waiting for this gentleman to my left to pay us. And so <laughs> far. Hey, I for education. What more you want? Yeah, he paid for all of our books. Yeah, that, that's true. He did. <laughs> oh, no. So I, th- I thought you froze up there for a second, Gus. So um, so talking about uh, Dow saying he didn't disagree with anything that you said. I uh, mentioned earlier that I uh, listened to your show this morning and uh, – you jumped right into controversy. You gave your disclaimer, and then you said, I'm going to mention the word Trump. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's fraught with peril. You know, and I think that's one of the things being Catholic today, that it's controversial on both sides of the issue. And, I mean, you've obviously seen a lot in your career. You've been, you've been in radio a long time. Have you ever seen anything like this before, ever? No, well, I guess it depends on what you mean by like this. Um, no, we've never been so divided as a country. We've never been so divided as a church. We've never been so divided as a people. And, you know, I, I just see the polarization just getting worse and worse and worse. Uh, and, you know, you, you would like to think, I mean, you guys remember back, say, 9-11, you know, when 9-11 came about, it, it's kind of like we united, if, if only for a brief time as a country, uh, and and then all these other things come along and we have the pandemic and, and now we have these riots and whatnot. And it just doesn't seem like there's any unification. And there are times when I, I just got to wonder, is that a thing of the past? Is that ever going to happen again? And it, to be quite honest with you, uh, if it doesn't, it's it's very sad. I mean, I think we've reached a, a reasonably sad point in, of division in our country. And I, and I really hope that at some point, healing can take place. Uh, I agree with that 100%. Obviously, you're on social media, uh, Twitter and Facebook and all those things. So you see, I see the division in the church, I think, more on those platforms than anywhere else because you've got uh, bishops and priests that obviously, uh, and we hate to use labels like conservative and liberal, but they obviously come across that way. Uh, But it is just so out there. I mean, you, you don't really have to look hard to find it. I mean, if you, if you're engaged in your faith and you're on social media, you're going to see it. And there is a division in the church. Yeah. So I'm just curious. I know this isn't, you know, I'm, I'm not supposed to ask the questions here, but it's what I do. So Uh, forgive me. (laughs) How are you guys, how are you guys feeling about social media? Because I got to tell you, I could, I could chuck Facebook and Twitter and all that other stuff tomorrow and just be a real happy camper. 
you know, unfortunately, I think it's part of as as a media figure, it's kind of part of the whole big makeup that we kind of have to do these days. But man, I'll tell you, it's gotten to the point where, yeah, I could I could toss it by the wayside. In fact, maybe if I'm not called to the diaconate, maybe I should uh, maybe I should check and see if I'm called to the monastic life, you know, <laughs> just be a monk and <laughs> go hide away for a few years. We agree again. I could chunk <laughs> it all and your life would be happier. You wouldn't even know how certain people feel about certain things. And I, th- I think that's where the, the we start getting divided once we know every inner feeling of somebody. And uh, yeah. even Father Land here, he hated Facebook until he needed it here, you know, with the pandemic, pandemic. and yeah. uh, at live streaming and stuff. So yeah. Tell us how you feel about social media, Father Lynn. <laughs> yeah. Well, social media, I, I think the, 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 the real crutch of all of this is that, I feel humanity, we, we, we become so alone and we, we isolate ourselves. We love our point of view. And so once you're behind a social media, you know, the screen, you're able to, to say whatever you want. And I think we, we lost the ability of true dialogue, conversation. The thing that Pope Francis pushed the most, sit down with each other. You can't even see that, you know. You know, my bishop, we're quite very close to each other. We, oftentimes we have that conversation, especially at USCCB meeting. And he, he said it was the ugliest thing. They're so busy in lobbying, and they forgot about how to talk with one another. You know, a current affair, you know, situation when Pope Francis called them, you know, already, already we repaired to, to have resolution about this sexual scandal. And then... No, Pope Francis, don't talk yet. Go pray with each other. <laughs> we don't even pray with each other. And you can see that, you know, um, the, the just quite ugliness. The, the way I think we has become so alone that we rely so much on social media and we lost who on the other side that we talk to. Who on the- and and that, that is very tragic for me. No, I think, you know, one of the things I've been working on, I'm not going to call it my manifesto, but I, I had an encounter with a, with a good friend of mine that, that basically said that he could not be um, friends with people that have differing political views than he does. Wow. Regardless of the relationship, you know, and I, and I think, you know, it kind of reminds me, and I'm not a, a huge uh student of history, but it reminds me of some of what I did research on civil war, right? You had families against families. And and that's one of the things that kind of divided, you know, there's an issue, but they, the families obviously knew each other, but they, they put that to the side and they said, we're going to focus on this issue that divides us regardless of how I feel about you personally, or what I know about you personally, or how I love you or how you've loved me, how you've treated me in my life. I'm going to forget about that. And I think today in today's world, I think it's so much easier with social media to draw that, to put that wall up wall. and just walk away because we don't talk to each other. I mean, that's the bottom line. We don't talk to each other. Yeah. And I think one thing for me too, is that I find that social media emboldens people to say things that they would never say to another human being's face, you know? And, uh, and, and really there's kind of something wrong with that. If you, if you feel like, because it's easy to be a keyboard warrior, but when you're in front of somebody 
and you can look them in the eye. And, and that's the one thing, if I, if I could just switch gears here briefly sure. about the whole coronavirus thing that really breaks my heart the most. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a very tactile person. I love to shake hands. I love to hug. I love to slap people on the back. I'm just, you know, kind of physical like that. And I long for that to come back. You know, I, I hope those days will come back again very, very soon. But that's the thing about social media is that uh, it, it just emboldens people, I think, to not be their best selves. And look, I, I freely admit as well, I fall prey to that just like everybody else does. Now, we we had uh, one of the things we talked about last week on our show, we talked about, we were talking about scriptures and how you can look at a, a scripture and a comma in on one word, we were talking. I think about uh, on the cross, the, the thief yeah, on the, the cross. thief on the cross. Yeah, uh, that, to, um, let me think of what he said. I say to you today, you will be in me, be with me in paradise. It depends uh-huh. where you put the comma. Today, I say to you, comma, you will be with me in paradise. Or today, I say, comma, today you will be with me. You see what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. One comma can change the whole meaning of scripture. And, sure, and when you extrapolate that out to social media, where we we don't even use punctuation correctly <laughs> anyway, I mean it just explodes it, and it it just it makes everything it's it makes it unpersonable, right? You're not really talking to people; you're just you're just looking at an idea that's that happens to be little little bites on a screen, and that's what you're interacting with. And we've lost the ability to communicate, and that's one of the things I do like about your show is you open the lines up and you actually are able to talk to people. And I, I think I get the impression that you enjoy that part of the show. I do. I most certainly do. That's uh, you know, in fact, when we were doing the coronavirus thing, I was recording the show for about two months. And so I, I, you know, I would record the show each day and then play the show the next day because we weren't our, our studios in New York. We weren't, didn't have people that were there. So I couldn't do the show live and actually talk to people on the phones Man, when I was able to come back and actually engage my listeners again, it was like the heavens opened up for me. It was so great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it makes it interesting, right? I mean, we we talked about that about you know interacting with our our parishioners. You're obviously on a national scale, but it's something that that one, I think people want to do that too. I think people people realize that, and I'm going to say evil, the evil in social media, and I, and I don't mean that with a capital E. I'm obviously I mean it with a with a small e, but I think people realize more than we think they do that we need to, we need to converse with people and we just had to figure out how to do it. And I don't have any of the answers. I wish I did. I'd, <laughs> I'd probably be a rich man. <laughs> well, change the subject goes in your experience as, as apologetic, try to evangelize the good news of the church. I'm sure you encounter plenty of opposition. How do you maintain the collectiveness, the calmness that, in the spirit of charity, if you will, uh, in, in those conversations? Yeah, thanks for asking that, Father. I My approach to apologetics has always been this. I'm going to tell you the truth, and I'm just going to lay it out there for you. You don't have to believe it. You don't have to believe it. But it is incumbent upon me to speak truth. And from there, you, whoever that person is, you get to choose. You get to choose what you're going to do with that. Whatever you want to do with it is is fine with me. I would love to see. Look, I'm a great believer that I think every every human being should be Catholic. I think every person on planet Earth should be Catholic because I believe with every fiber of my being that the Catholic Church is the one true church founded by Jesus Christ for the salvation of mankind. So as a Catholic, 
why wouldn't I want everybody to be Catholic? But I'm not going to I'm not going to force myself on anyone. And so I just present the facts. I give people the facts. I try to let them know, hey, you may be you may have misunderstood this. You may have heard some false things here or there. But once I present it, I just let it go and and let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit is going to do. So I think that's that's always been my approach. And it's been OK. I'm going to stick with it. Sounds good. Sounds Amen. Good. Ever get really frustrated, though? No, come on. <laughs> now, lies to I thought sin, you said you, know you listen to right? my radio show every day. <laughs> well, I think it, let's see, this morning, I think it took one caller, didn't it? It was the first caller. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, I forget what her name was, but, you know, she obviously disagreed with, with what you said and couldn't believe that you, you said what you said about, obviously, Trump visited two churches, pretty controversial, yeah. um, both both of them controversial. And, and I agreed 100% with what you said. And I was thinking, how, I'm, am I misunderstanding what this woman is saying? I, I mean, it just, it's hard for me to grasp that people actually think that, that the president of the United States is perfect. Yeah. I, I don't know that. I don't know that I would say that anybody necessarily thinks he's perfect, but boy, I'll tell you, uh, I think that we have come to a point now where, again, it's part of the polarization that we're seeing in our country and our church, uh, you know, just all over the place. Uh, is that if you, many people have this idea, if you don't agree with me, then you're my enemy. You're not on my side. Even if it's just on one tangential issue, it's like you have to, you know, you have to agree with, with everybody about everything, which of course is never going to happen. And I think that's a very sad thing. And one of the things that I've always tried to make very clear on my radio show is that we can disagree. We can have disagreements and we can still love each other and go our separate ways with no hard feelings. And unfortunately, I think that's that's becoming a lost art. And and that's sad. I think that's a very sad commentary. Agree. But I don't remember any. It just seems like with this politician, you have such a large group that Trump can do no wrong. And then you got the other side. He can do no right. Yeah. You know, and there's very few in between, you know, but I agreed with you today. The first, the first one I thought was a photo op, the, you know, the walking across the street. I mean, even if we disagree, it's not, you know, we're not disagreeing on whether murder is right or wrong. You know, yeah, right. it, it's just not that big of a thing, you know, to yeah. be venomous about, but yeah, you still I have agree. It. And one of the things too that that you know that <laughs> that I kind of got on the social media thing was people are saying, "Oh, oh you're not pro life." Wait a minute, I'm not pro life <laughs> because I I didn't agree with you know with what the the method that the president used to do this photo op thing. So that makes me not pro life. These are the kind of the, you know these these extremes that people are are going to. Uh, man, we we got to get off that. We really do. I'm I'm really an advocate for critical thinking. You know, oh, yeah, let's absolutely. let's critically think through these things, shall we? Yeah, and and the pro the pro life thing is is one of the biggest the biggest things that I, I think people make it one issue. Right? They make pro life abortion. Pro life is so much more than that. But nobody ever talks about that, especially the ones that that are that are. I mean, I look, I'm as conservative as, as can be. And these guys will vouch for that. I'm very I mean, live in rural Kentucky. I have to be conservative, right? <laughs> right. But, you know, to sit there and say that, that being pro-life is just about the abortion issue is flat out wrong. And if you can't have a conversation about the other parts of it, sure, abortion is, is, is huge. Way up there. Yeah, yeah. The numbers are staggering. And it, it's hard to, it's, I think it's, at this point, it's hard for us to really fathom 
how big of an impact it's had on on our and I'm not talking from a religious perspective. I'm talking about on the impact of our society and, and what it what the cost of society is. You know, how many Einsteins, how many good politicians, how many Henry Clay's, right? You know, Henry Clay was from Kentucky, the great compromiser. Something that that our po- politics really need in today's world. How many diseases were to be cured? You know, you know. So from a not a religious perspective, but from a societal perspective, we just can't we can't quantify it anymore. I mean. 70 million, 70 million. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a big number. So I don't want to minimize that, but there's so much more to pro-life that, that we're losing the battle because we're not having the conversation. And that's, that's my opinion anyway. Well, what Gus says is very true. The idea when we lose the ability to have critical thinking, our thinking based on our feeling, that's dangerous. Right. So therefore, you know, even the, the issues of pro-life, sometimes both sides operate based on the feeling. Um, and, and so we can't have a sit-down has a professional, critical conversation. You know, the, the, the issues of what we learned at the time of even Thomas Aquinas, you know, his apologetic, very, it's conversational and explore toward the truth. And when we don't do that, and that's what happened. Because, like I say, back to the issue of social media, that's all it is. And, and it's about which side screamed the loudest. Uh, we don't we don't listen. there's a lot of yelling. You know? <laughs> I, I preach many times with the kids. I say, God gave her two ears to listen, one mouth to speak. In other words, you have to listen twice as much as you speak. We don't do that, right. you know, unfortunately. So that's where we are. Well... <clears throat> Let's change the subject just a little bit. We've killed the social media thing to death. <laughs> well, we, we, let's talk. I was hoping we were going to talk about coronavirus, and then we had a bunch of riots. So, uh, but uh, coronavirus obviously impacted you and your parish. Tell us, tell us about how your parish stopped life, and I'm assuming they went live streaming and all that. And I, I, I realized that this weekend you said on the show that it's your first time back for, for Mass and Holy Communion in 10 weeks, right? Yeah. Yeah, I tell you uh, – I, I, it's been heartbreaking and my parish is just like every other parish. I I think anyway, in that, I mean, there may be small pockets of the country that didn't shut down, but I think most places shut down for a couple of months. And so uh, it was, it was really heartbreaking. I I remember the first time I watched mass on a live stream. It's the first time I hadn't been to mass in, I don't know, maybe three years or so. And I cried. I just started weeping uh, out of this sense of longing to be there as I'm watching my pastor on on our TV screen. And I just thought to myself, there's something wrong here. This is this is just not right. I understand about the principle of doing spiritual communion and having a Eucharistic fast and yada, yada, yada. But I got to tell you, from the bottom of my heart, my soul was longing to receive Jesus, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Holy Eucharist. So that time away, uh, you know, they say the old saying, absence makes the heart grow fonder. It really did for me. And I I hope it did for everybody. I've I've been a little bit concerned about how this is all going to shake out in the end. You know, whether people are just going to be comfortable sitting in their houses and watching mass on a live stream and kind of shrug their shoulders and go, nah, I don't really need to go to mass, do I? I mean, I can watch it here. The answer is, yes, you do. You really do need to go to Mass. Now, I understand that there will be situations where people cannot go to Mass, should not go to Mass, right? 
But for the vast majority of folks, we need that. We, we need the, not just the community, but we need the communion as well. We need to receive our spiritual nourishment, Jesus, present body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Blessed Eucharist. So I'm ecstatic to be back. We're still under all kinds of restrictions, just like everybody else, you know, chains on some of the pews where you can't go in and, and all those things. But, you know, I, I said on my radio show the other day, None of that matters to me. You know, I'd walk across broken, broken glass and hot coals to get myself to the Eucharist if that's what they're going to force me to do. So I'm, I'm so happy that at least we're back now. And I hope that in short order, things will be back to normal, whatever that is. Amen. 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 You're in the, the Archdiocese of, or Diocese of Tampa. Diocese of St. Petersburg, Florida. Florida. Yeah. Who's your bishop? Uh, bishop Gregory Parks, a uh, little piece of information here. He's the tallest bishop in America, if not the world. How tall is he? <laughs> I think he's I think he's either six, seven or six, eight. Wow. So when when he puts his miter on, he's like 11 feet tall. You know? so, <laughs> <laughs> if, if you want to look, if you want to find my bishop, just look up. You'll find him. <laughs> so no drive by, no drive by communion anywhere. No, we didn't do that. Uh, I, I don't know that any parishes in my diocese did that. We did. I did do drive up confession uh, where, you know, the, I had to I had to drive up, uh, get out of my car, go to a tent because it was all outdoors. And I sat across about a 10 foot table from father uh, who heard my confession and gave me absolution. And, and that was a, a few weeks before we went back to mass. So that was interesting. But, you know, hey, I, it was OK by me. The sacraments. That's what it's. That's what it's all about. Is the Amen. sacraments. Amen, brother. And I agree with you. I, I, I think it's going to be interesting to to play out for for us. We're we're a minority. Catholics are a minority in this diocese. Um, I think it's less than three percent. Do I have that number right? I think it's less than three percent Catholic in this diocese. Uh, second largest landmass diocese in in the country is is wow. Lexington. Uh, but we pick up all the Appalachia Mountains, so it's very rural. Um, a lot of unchurched. Uh, Father spent some time in the mountains. Uh, one of your first parishes, I think, right? Uh, so it's it's a different world here. But I think I think that's going to impact us negatively because so many of our our Protestant brothers and sisters, their mass, their mass, their their service. celebration, their service, Services, didn't really, uh-huh. yeah, didn't really change, right? I mean, yeah. whether they're there, or they're not there, and so that's I think that's one of the things that when we talked about reopening that we had a lot of uh, a lot of discussion about how we were going to do things because we're Catholics, you know, we're having mass outdoors. We're, we're, we haven't opened up indoors yet, but we're, we're lucky enough to have a big facility here that we just purchased. Uh, last week was our first mass. We had 250 people there this week. We had one mass, 450 people. So I hope that that trend continues, uh, but I'm worried that people are going to be like their neighbor who's a Protestant said, Hey, just stay home and watch it on TV. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I hope that doesn't happen too. I hope that the absence has made the heart grow fonder for, for everybody. And, you know, one of the things too, that I think we need to do as, as a Catholic apologist and as deacons and a priest, I, I think it's very important for us to teach the people the, the difference, the importance of the Eucharist, and how vital the Eucharist is to us. It's the source and summit of our faith. 
and that we can't just shrug that off. You know, we, we, we can't just say, oh, it's no big deal. I can I can watch mass on the television or whatever. Uh, and again, aside from the, the normal dispensations of people who can't, for whatever reason, make it to mass, it's very important for us, I think, to let people know the difference. We're not just any other church. We don't just get together to sing songs and, and uh, hear a, a message or anything like that. We come to receive Jesus. That's the big deal. That's the big difference. And that was one of the reasons why I was really upset about some of the restrictions that some governors and politicians were trying to put on the church when we were talking about going back to church, about not being able, you know, first of all, only being able to have 10 people in a cathedral that fits thousands of people. Come on, really? Uh, and then there was another situation in Delaware where, uh, uh, or I'm sorry, in uh, Maryland, I believe, uh, Delaware and Maryland, where the, uh, the, the authority said, well, you can go to church, but you can't do this communion thing. Well, as Catholics, that's what we do. And, and it's so important for us. And that's why I think it's just vital for us to get that message out there about what it's really all about. Well, I totally agree with you on that. I, I think the, the opportunity even in your campus and we, it, 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 we have to capitalize this opportunity for evangelization and re, recatechize our people. Yes. You know, I myself, we have a lot of great parishioners that really longing for the Eucharist. And they come up with a lot of interesting from the Protestant influence, like um, uh, they come with little packages, you know, uh, the little grape juice and then the little uh-huh. uh, wafer on top in one package. And they told me, we can do this. I say, communion is not that. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, great conversation in that regard. Um, you know, they come up with a good intention, uh, but extremely disrespect, if you will, in the sanctity of the, the, the sacred host. And, and we, I have at least six or seven good conversations with our parishioner over why we do what we do. Uh, we set us apart. And, and like I say, it's a good opportunity, you know, for us to really capitalize this opportunity, to really talk about it. So your, your, your work is going to pick up, Gus. You're going to get more people calling you to, to help catechize. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I tell you, I just I, I love what I do. And, you know, as listeners, I hope you I hope you hear every day. I love what I do. You know, like everybody, I have, you know, good days and some not so good days. But every single day, I am just so thankful that God has given me the opportunity. You know, part of my story is I when I was a little kid, I knew that I wanted to be on the radio. And so I got into the radio business when I was 19 years old. So here I am almost 60 years old now, and I'm a guy that's just doing what I wanted to do ever since I was a little kid, and I get to do it for Jesus. Wow. Does it get any better than that? No way. <laughs> God is good. <laughs> it really All doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, changing, uh, let's change subjects a little bit. I wanted to uh, touch on this before we signed off. Uh, uh, and it, what brought it up is we have an Iron, iron Man deacon ourselves who— uh, I can't believe what it took to be an Iron Iron Man. And one of the best series of shows I think you did was when you was on the Camino Walk, uh, the way. What was I couldn't I couldn't walk two miles, much less how many miles was it? <laughs> I just wanted to get your what you thought. What was that experience like walking and broadcasting while you're doing it? Yeah, that was. I'll tell you, that was. Uh, for lack of a better word, it was just magical. It really was. So how it is the the Camino de Santiago. Uh, which is a walk through the whole northern part of Spain. One end to the other, it's about 480 miles. 
we didn't do the entire 480 miles, but we did the lion's share of it. And it took us two years. We had to break it up over two years. But I got to tell you, it was uh, it was such a blessing to be able to spend because you spend just a lot of time out in nature. I mean, we walked about 15 miles a day, day after day after day, all kinds of conditions, mountains, deserts, uh, rainforests. And, and the the communing that you have with nature, with God and with God's people there is nothing like it. Absolutely nothing like it. And if anybody can ever get the opportunity to maybe even do like a week on the Camino, a lot of folks will go and they'll just do the last uh, 100 kilometers, which is about 62 miles. And if you take about five to seven days to do it, it's not really all that difficult. But boy, I'll tell you, if, if you can do it, it is something that you'll never forget. It's a very life-changing event. And I just, I, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back. I'm going to do it again someday. But your wife, your wife went too, right? She went with you. She did. I did the first half my uh, with a group of people. Michelle, at the time, uh, she had two really bad knees. She had two knee replacements inside of a year. Oh, wow. And within about eight months after her second knee replacement, she walked the second half of the Camino with us. Yeah. So she wow. she is an inspiration. Trooper, <laughs> a real trooper. Yeah. I was a. Uh... I wasn't going to bring up the whole Iron Man thing. That sounds like a lot harder than being an Iron Man. I'm just saying. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you, you picture an Iron Man. It's swim what? You swim two and a half miles. Yep. Is that right? You, Are you an Iron Man, Deacon Tip? Yes, he's, yeah. he's an Iron Man. Swim two and a half miles. Moses. Ride a bike 100 miles. 112. 112. 112 <laughs> and, and run, run a marathon. Yeah. Incredible. I can't even fathom that. I, I always Good like the you. people that say, hey, I, I've run a marathon. I was like. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, man, you Iron Man. So I, I've uh, I've been a marathon. I've done I've done dozens of marathons. I've uh, I've done a fifty miler. Oh wow! Uh, so I've done ultra. I've done ultra hard. marathons as well. But you Iron Man, man, you guys are a breed apart. I just I love you. Well, you know it's mental, right? I mean it's it's all it mental. Is. And yes. you know, trying to convince people that how how capable the human body is, they just they just don't do it. They just don't grasp yeah. that and. You know, that that's I was talking to somebody at lunch about it today that 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 training and I've always said that exercise for me is is the best form of prayer because, it, you know, you're out there and you're in the elements and it's sometimes it's too hot. Sometimes it's too cold. You know, it's light. It's dark. You're training your mind to overcome it telling you to stop. Mm-hmm. Right. And that discipline to me, being a Catholic, it just kind of it kind of gels together and it, it makes it, it makes my, fa- it made my face stronger. I know it did. Um, but it, it made my mind much stronger too. And just in everyday life. And at the same time I was going through the diaconate too. So, uh, so I was going through formation. I was training, uh, cause I lost a lot of weight. Uh, great experience. You, you ultra marathoners though, uh, that I'm not a runner. I was a cyclist and yeah. 26 miles is all I want. I cannot, imagine the ultras <laughs> well it's funny too because i my, my knees are kind of getting shot now and uh, i've taken up cycling oh, yeah. so we got that going we got that going for us as well it's a great sport i always like to say the difference between running and cycling when when you're cycling the best part of cycling is all of it and the worst part of running is all of it <laughs> <laughs> not not too far off the mark there no i i miss i, I don't really run anymore I, I miss my running days but you know funny thing too just real quick uh i cycle once a week we do a long ride once a week and uh, with a priest friend of mine uh he was he had a later in life vocation he was ordained at the age of uh 59 or 60 i think 
And uh, and so he was a, a priest at my parish. I found out that he was a cyclist. I said, hey, you want to go ride together? And we've been riding together for almost four years now. Wow. That's awesome. great. Yeah. Yeah, that is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I so mean, it's I, a lot of fun. I mean, that's what that's what got me riding. A parishioner, a fellow parishioner asked me one day, hey, you want to want to ride a bike? I'm like, I'll try. <laughs> You know, and, that, and that was, that's and, been almost nine years ago. And $20,000 later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're not supposed to say that on here, Dallas, because you know my wife watches. <laughs> uh, good stuff. So, Gus, we'd love, we'd love having you on the show. Uh, thanks for joining us. Would you like to come back sometime? I, you just say the word, man. I, I had a great time. And as I say, I, I love deacons. I love you guys. You guys are doing a great work. And I appreciate you using this kind of media, too, to get the word out there. Well, it's it's new for us. We, this is this is our eleventh eleventh show. We it started with the pandemic, and uh, I think we're enjoying it. We enjoying it. it. It's, <laughs> it's 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 challenging, it, it, and I'm sure you know doing a radio show every day. That's a lot of work. I mean, we just do this once a week, and I know how much work this is. That's a lot of work. I mean, I mean, I just can't imagine it. So maybe next time we can talk about how you how you do that, what your workflow is, because. That's a very, I'm an engineer too. So it's very interesting to me. So sure. Well, let me know. God bless you guys. And uh, thanks for having me. I, it's been truly a privilege. It's All an right. honor, Gus. Thank thanks, you, Gus. Sir. It's Pre- an honor. God appreciate bless. It. God bless you. All right. Bless you too. Bye-bye. 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 Wow. Great guest. Yes, that was it. Was an honor, and I don't want to use the word hero, but yes, uh, it is. Yes, I love that man. You, you have a man crush on. I Gus have Lloyd. a man crush on Gus Lloyd. <laughs> well, he's a good one to have a, a man crush on. And, and I recommend anybody out there uh, and try to if you got uh, if you got satellite radio, tune into him in the morning at seven thirty to ten thirty. And if you don't go get satellite radio, you can get it for five ninety nine a month. It's super cheap, and that's a fantastic show to listen to. It is his series admitted in the church. I've actually read. He says he has five or six five. Yeah, we might be able to do that. You know, we hand out a book. That would be a fantastic one to hand out. Like a dollar. They cost a dollar. I bet they're cheaper than Matthew Kelly's books. And Matthew Kelly, if you're listening, we'd love to have you we, on the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, they're. They're really good yeah. books. We they're concise. They answer the they answer questions very quick. Just kind of like his his uh, his minute reflections that he does every yes. day. You know, I I like that. I think that that in today's culture where we're so consumed with things pulling us in different directions, that quick shot stuff I think is really good. So and people can it helps them learn their faith. And mm-hmm. when people ask him questions, why do y'all do this? I mean, get the book out, look it up. You know, <laughs> no. It, <laughs> Oh yeah. yeah, I really enjoy his his energy. He does a lot of mission talks you know, too. I mean, I, I'm sure there's a see there, there's a fee. I'm sure, but you know that might be something we look at. When yeah. he he's was got, supposed he's to got do, YouTube videos, so if, uh, tune in, try to find him on YouTube. Yeah, and he was he's supposed to be. Him and his wife were supposed to be on a trip this week. I mean, they got obviously they got canceled. I think supposed to be in uh, Europe somewhere or something, Holy Land. I can't remember where it was. He talked about it on the radio, but just a just a great guy, and, and I can't wait to have him back. Because I think uh, and he's just a good guy. Well, that might even be better if we can get out of this coronavirus like stuff. Person. So maybe we should pray to today's saint for some intercession to get us out of coronavirus. I don't know if uh, St. Saint, Boniface? Saint Boniface. What's he the patron saint of? Do you know? St. Boniface? <laughs>
Well, well, I like I like beer. <laughs> do you guys like beer? I'm sure you do. Well, doesn't like, he have a like whole beer. section at St. Manor that <laughs> you get lost at? At St. Bonavis? I don't know, but let's listen to the saying of the day. And while that's playing, okay. I'll look it up. <laughs> Here it is. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for June 5th. Today we celebrate St. Boniface. Boniface was an English Benedictine monk, but he devoted his life to the conversion of Germanic tribes. When he made his first missionary journey to Germany in 719 at the request of Pope Gregory II, Boniface saw that his work was cut out for him. What Christianity he did find either had lapsed into paganism or was mixed with error. In many instances, the problems he uncovered were rooted in uneducated, lax, and even disobedient clergy. After reporting these conditions to the Holy Father, Boniface was instructed to reform the German church. He was finally made a regional bishop and authorized to organize the whole German church. In these tasks, he was guided by two principles, to restore the clergy's obedience to their bishops in union with the Pope, and to establish houses of prayer, which took the form of Benedictine monasteries. Boniface was eminently successful in much of the country. But in some areas, he encountered great problems. During a final mission among the people living in what is now the northern part of the Netherlands, he was massacred in 754, along with 53 companions, while they were preparing converts for confirmation. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. St. Boniface. He might be my new favorite one, patron saint of brewers. <laughs> you were right, Father. I told you. <laughs> he actually, just looking real quick, he actually shares that title with St. Augustine of Hippo. He's also the patron saint of brewers. St. Arnold of Metz and St. Barbara. And the reason why is, at least what it says here, this is St. Saint, Bonifacebrewing.com. <laughs> A brewing company, St. Boniface Brewing Company, imagine that, <laughs> was that uh, the daily drink of the people was beer because the waters were polluted, polluted. so they had to drink beer. Mm-hmm. Who says the dark ages were so dark? <laughs> Maybe it was a dark beer. That's how we came with dark beer, right? There you go. Great, great show today, guys. Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah, it was great good. show. Uh, next week, we don't have a guest lined up. So. We'll think of one. Or... You know, I I put a poll up on Facebook. I don't. You probably didn't know that. I don't know if you saw it or not. I saw uh, it. Yeah. You saw it. Uh, vote. Who do you want on the show? Parishioners or outside outside national folks? And you could vote for both. Like Kelly told me, uh, which she did. She voted for both. Uh, but the last time I checked, parishioners was leading substantially. Yeah, seventy-two percent. The other one, yeah. twenty-seven or something. Yeah. So uh, in two weeks, we do have a parishioner. Uh, Dan Elliott will join us in two weeks. Uh, we've got some ideas on some parishioners uh, based on what, what we know, but obviously our, our fellow parishioners know a lot about their fellow parishioners. So if you have somebody that has you think has an interesting story or interesting life, uh, faith story, vocation, job. Because we talk about ordinary people. Ordinary people. Doing extraordinary things. Yeah. So uh, you know, let us know. And We'll we'll talk to them, see if they want to be on. And and if you want to be on, <laughs> you can let us know too. You can nominate yourself. That's that's a good thing because you know, at the end of the day, that's what the show's about is is dialogue. It's right up there. Discussions. We like to have discussions. 
and we like to drink a little bit, and we're all three deacons too. Mainly discussion. Discussion, yeah. <laughs> Focus more important. on discussion. I was thinking about, I almost brought, I know Dallas doesn't like bourbon. I think other people here might like bourbon. Uh, <laughs> I, I was thinking that, that many might, out there like bourbon. There might be a lot of people out there, so I'm th- I was thinking maybe that would be a good way to get some folks on the show if I could crack open some some of the bourbons there in my go. collection and that start to bring in some good stuff. That might be a way to spur some people into action. So, <laughs> Hey, if you're listening uh, on Facebook and YouTube, make sure you hit the like and the su- subscribe button. And if you're listening on podcast, Apple, Spotify, we thank you for that. Uh, just keep, uh, if, you, if you're just listening, you just happened onto the show, uh, and you like what you hear, please subscribe. We like those downloads. And as I said before, if you can want to support our ministry, ssfj.org, it's ssfj.org. I also want to announce uh, we're looking for volunteers who would like to help us with this podcast and, and really our whole uh, social media efforts because, you know, as we talked about with Gus, uh, it, is, it is an important part of our evangelization now. You kind of follow, you, you kind of got thrust into it with the whole pandemic and everything. And, you know, we were kind of dabbling in it, but. You know, it, it's just, it's a way. It's a way to, too important, you know. So uh, what I've what I've learned over the last couple of weeks with this show is that it's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of stuff out there. So if you have experience with certain third, third-party tools like TubeBuddy or Vidic, Hootsuite, Loomly, or Buffer, just to name a few, we want to hear from you. You can send me an email directly at tstout at cdlex.org. That's tstout at cdlex.org. Let us know. If you're interested and you've got some of those skills, uh, we're going to put together a social social media committee here at uh, the the parish, church, school, Cardome, all that. Roll it together and see if we can help each other evangelize and spread the gospel. So tell your friends, give us a listen, spread the word about this show. Comments are not only necessary, but they are encouraged. Who's got the blessing tonight? He can I do. This is a short one, but just as effective as as uh, as we celebrate the Trinity this weekend. May the God, the Father, God, the Holy Spirit bless you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. amen. And until next week, I'm Deacon Tim. I'm Deacon Dallas Kelly. I'm Father Lynn. Bye, everybody. Bye. Did you ever stop and think why spend too much time just getting ready?